What's going on, guys? Today's trivia kids, we got a good one for you. We are break. I am breaking down. I don't know why we're saying we. It's just me today. It's the weekend recap. Breaking down UFC 258, which was a great card. Talking about some NFL news that broke today and and over the weekend. It's a good one. Let's go. Welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is Tuesday, February the 16th. As always, I am your host, Nate. Welcome to the weekend recap. Uh, we're going to get back into it to have a show, you know, Tuesday, maybe Monday, uh, early part of the week. We used to have two shows a week. We've gotten away from that and have only been giving out the Friday show usually. Um, and I want to get back in the mo- mood here and kind of give you more content this upcoming year. Really give some thoughts on, on the activities that happened over the weekend. Uh, it's going to be a mixture of sports and just kind of life stuff. But, man, did we have one hell of a UFC 258. Uh, that's the big topic today. That's kind of where my bread and butter is on this episode. we got a little NFL news cleanup that we're going to give out here towards the end. Um, but UFC 258, I mean, was way better than I had thought. There was – I love Kamara Usman. It's been said, if you're a listener of this show, if this is your first time, welcome, thank you. Uh, But I think, I've been saying this for a long time, both privately and publicly on this show, that I think Kamaru Usman has the potential to be the most dominant UFC fighter we have ever seen. And he continues on that path. Now, obviously, he is not there yet. But damn, is he he getting there. Um, One of the best pound-for-pound fighters on the UFC roster, no matter what weight class. He's fighting the welterweight division, which is just filled with sharks. It's arguably one of it, the most, if not one of the most competitive divisions in all of UFC. There's some argu- There's some great divisions out there. I'd be open to argument, but it's, it's definitely one of them. It's shark-infested waters. And Kamara Usman continues to show that he's the apex predator. I mean, he is, his nickname is fitting, the Nigerian Nightmare, because he is an absolute nightmare to, to deal with in the cage. Um... And it's insane the run he's gone on. This dude is incredible. I mean, there's just not enough things that you can say because he is torn through a division, like I said, that is arguably one of the most competitive divisions in UFC. He just knocked out Gilbert. He's fought in Masvidal. He's fought fought Colby Covington. He's fought Tyron Woodley. He has beaten Edwards. He's beaten Rafael Dos Anjos. He's Damian Maia he's beaten. I mean, the list goes on. He's broken George St. Pierre's record. Um for most wins entering into the UFC. So once in the UFC, most wins without getting a loss in the welterweight division. Now, he obviously has got a long way to go before he beats George St. Pierre's title defense record, which stands at 12. He's got four right now. But this dude, I mean, you line him up, and he just knocks them down in dominating fashion. And it's not always the most exciting fights. I mean, he, you know, and we're going to talk about the Masvidal uh, call out here later, but and that Masvidal fight, I mean, it was a lot of foot stomping and pushing him up against the cage. But he beat him in dominating fashion. He didn't allow Masvidal really to do anything that he wanted to do in the cage. You look at Tyrone Woodley. You know, going into that fight, a lot was being talked about the wrestling difference. The wrestling difference in backgrounds. You know, Kamara Usman um, was a D2 wrestler. Tyrone Woodley wrestled at the D1 level in Missouri. Both very accomplished collegiate wrestlers. And, you know, Woodley's argument is there's levels to this shit. Usman's not on my level, which is not wrong. There are levels to this shit. But what did Usman do? He decided, you know what? 
fuck this, let's take him to the ground, and he absolutely dominated him. There were parts of that fight where it looked like on Woodley's face, like he wanted out. He was like, this sucks, because he absolutely suffocated him on the ground. This dude is phenomenal. I can't say enough about him. Um, he is quickly becoming one of my favorite UFC fighters. Um, and it was a great fight. And Gilbert Burns, credit to him. He, you know, steps up here, finally gets his title fight, well-deserving. Uh, there's an argument that he is, you know, second-best fighter in this division. I, I think there's a lot of good good conversation that can come around that. Uh, but Gilbert Burns has earned his spot uh, to have this fight. He fought a, a pretty decent fight, I thought. I mean, he had some opportunity to put Usman away. Um, couldn't do it. That's another strength of Usman is he just fucking eats punches, man. I mean, the dude, he's got a gas tank for days and just eats your shots. Is incredibly, you know, he, at times he looks dazed uh, in different fights where you go, oh, shit, he's hurt. But he, he's still able to kind of recompose himself, put himself in positions to get that recomposure, to, to kind of pause the fight. Uh, and keep going, and it was incredible. Um, but hats off to Gilbert Burns. He's got a bright future. I have a feeling we're going to see these two fight again if if Usman stays in this weight class, because I think the conversation here, once he has his, his rematch against Masvidal, we'll see if he stays in the division and, and just decides to just dominate this, this weight class as he's been doing. But I think with the way the UFC is nowadays, post Connor becoming the first consecutive champ champ, holding two belts in two different divisions at the same time. Post that moment, in order to be considered, I think, the best, unless you are a heavyweight, um, like Stipe, for example, you know, I don't think he necessarily has to move down. Uh, but outside of that, I think you do, the argument is always, can you move a weight class? Can you be as dominant either going up or cutting down? Um, and I think that is eventually what, is going to face Usman here because at this point you look at this division and you go, who the hell is going to beat him? I mean, realistically, who's going to beat him? He has taken the best shots from the best fighters in this division and he's come out on top every single time. I mean, you look at Colby Covington. Annoying as hell. Hate his personality. Can't stand the man. But he is one hell of a fighter. You have to give him his credit from a, a fight standpoint, the respect. Hell of a fighter. Has a gas tank for days. That Going into that fight, can Usman's cardio stay with him? Dude looked tired. I mean, Usman did break his jaw. That's the other thing. He, he stood up with Usman and struck him down from a striking standpoint. Woodley, you know, the wrestling is going to hold up. If Woodley wants to bring it to the mat, Usman's not going to be able to st stay down there with him. What do you do? Ground and pounded him on the mat. Grappled, out grappled him, out wrestled him, outdid everything from a ground standpoint. Maslodal, dude comes into that fight on a hot streak, a hot streak sort of like Conor McGregor's hot streak um, before fighting Nate Diaz that first time, just on an absolute bender, top of the world. Takes the fight on on short notice, which we'll talk about. So Usman fractured his nose two weeks before the fight. Still beats him in in dominating fashion. Yeah, it was a boring fight because of the strategy Usman implored. But Maslodow couldn't do anything against it. Couldn't change position, couldn't get him off him. Yeah, it was a lot of grappling up against the cage. A lot of foot stomping, which a lot of people didn't love, but it was effective. Kamara, un unanimous decision winner in that fight. You know, you you could make an argument for maybe the first round going Maslodow's way, but the rest of them, it was Usman. 
who is going to beat this guy? I don't know. I don't see it right now. You know, the Masvidal fight's interesting. We're going to get that. Uh, it looks like we're going to get that rematch. A lot of shit's been talked about that. You know, Masvidal is out here talking a lot of shit. Doesn't add up to me. You know, a lot of people say, well, you got to give him credit. Took the fight on uh, short notice. That's that's not the part to give him credit on. Dustin Poirier came out and said it in the weeks leading up to that. Masvidal was training his ass off for that fight in case he had to step in. He was flying in wrestlers. He was training six weeks out. He was preparing himself for that fight if Burns couldn't go. Burns couldn't go. The part that was the question mark there was the weight cut. And if it depleted him so much that he just didn't have the legs and the cardio to go the five rounds, which it looked like he didn't. It looked like he burned, you know, he burned fast in that one. That first round looked good, and then he kind of burned out a little bit later rounds. Um, so that's that's the argument there. But on the other side of it, you go, all right, well, nobody ever talks about the, the other fighter who, take, who accepts the fight on short notice, where Usman, you know, he's preparing for a completely different fighter. That fight gets called off because of COVID issues. Maslow steps up. Well, now his everything he's been doing and training and looking for to fight Burns now has to be thrown out the window because he's fighting Maslow, a different fighter. Different strategy's got to be employed there. He's taking the fight on short notice. Yeah, he's had a camp and has been preparing his body for the cut to eventually make weight a little bit better because Maslow went through a grueling weight cut. I give him credit there. But Usman fractured his nose two weeks out. Still fought. Still won in dominating fashion, decisive fashion. So could this could this fight be different this next time? Yeah, it's possible. Definitely possible it could be different. Do I think it's going to be different? No. Usman has yet to show... <sighs> I'm not going to say a weakness because he, he does... You know, the stand-up game maybe isn't exactly... He takes a lot of shots that he... He relies a lot on his strong chin and his ability just to eat shots a lot. Uh, and he does it extremely well. I mean, every fight you see him just take a shot that would put another man down, and he just keeps charging. He keeps throwing that nasty-ass jab that he has. That break-jawing fists he's got in that jab. Um, and he has no fear because he knows if he gets, t- he can take you down to the ground at any point. You know, that's what makes him so dangerous. Is he, At no point does he feel threatened. There is yet to be anybody in any any match I've seen where Usman was giving the impression that he felt threatened, that he had fear in him. He has no fear. He is the Nigerian nightmare through and through. The man is a monster. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I, I can't wait to break down that fight if that actually gets signed. Um, but it's going to be really interesting. And then the rest of the card, I mean, 258. You know, the price of admission was high for this. You know, not a lot of people want to pony up the 70 bucks for this, which, fair. I was questioning whether I wanted to buy the pay-per-view, to be honest. Um, and, yes, I do buy pay-per-views. I, I buy into the UFC. I, I have money now. I want to be able to, you know, support the fighters when I, I want to buy these fights. I'm not streaming them. I'm, I'm buying them. Um I wasn't sure if I was going to buy this one. You know, Usman's obviously top dog. Apex Predator, love him. Just an absolute monster in the cage. But the rest of the card I looked at, and I was like, I don't really have a lot of interest in it, and I, I decided, screw it. You know what? Me and my girlfriend said, you know what? We'll buy it. We like watching good fight cards. Let's see what this has. We'll split it. Let's buy it. I mean, awesome decision. These fights were awesome. Way better than I had expected. Uh, you know, big ones that that's 
that stood out to me. Simon versus uh, Brian uh, Keller. Awesome fight. Simon, I mean, that was a great fight. I mean, those two dudes are like the Energizer Bunnies. They are so juiced up in fights. They're so electric. That was a great war. Loved that. Loved that fight. Bright future for Ricky there at the featherweight division. I think the same, you know, Brian's got some things he's got to do, but he's just still a very good fighter, very entertaining. But, you know, keep keep Ricky on your radar. If you're a casual UFC fan, you see Ricky on a card, that's a good fighter. That's a guy who's putting some things together. He's looking really good. Um, looking big at featherweight. Like, looking, I mean, he looks good. He looks really good in the cage right now. The big one, though, the two big ones that, that I definitely was incredibly impressed with. Kevin Gaslam and Alexa Gracio. Why I was so impressed with these fights. For Kevin, Kelvin, Gaslam, it was, for me, you know, he took style bender five rounds. He gave him a lot of, lot of problems. But after that, it, it sort of looked like the Tyrone Woodley thing. Where you go, damn, he made it to the mountaintop, didn't plant the flag, and is now kind of falling down, tumbling down. And that made me nervous. You know, for him, I like him as a fighter. I think he's a very good fighter. And I just thought, you know what, this guy's career is kind of hanging by a, by a string. He really needs a good performance here to show, you know what, this is a damn good fighter. You know, he hasn't lost it. He's just, you know, fallen on some hard times. He's got to adjust some things. You know, rework some things in camp. Sharpen his axes. That's what he did. He looked really, really good. Looked sharp. Incredibly intelligent fought, fight he fought against Ian. And just dominated him. I mean, you know, Ian was coming in this big, huge middleweight. I mean, he looks enormous at middleweight. Great wrestler. Phenomenal wrestling background, and he got down. He got taken down. He got thrown around like a rag doll. I mean, Gaslam was just phenomenal. That was the type of fight that Dana and everybody watching the UFC, even the casual fans, you you watch that fight and you go, "Shit, this guy might might relaunch his career here." Not that his career was necessarily dead, but it was just kind of like, "Ah, uh-huh, you know what?" It's the the air had been sucked out of the balloon. It's been just ignited right now. Very excited for what we got there. And then Alex Alexio Grazio. Let's talk about her in the women's flylight event against Barber. If you don't know, if you're not, first of all, there's been a you know a few things flying around. Stephen A's had some some jabs at the women's division. Dana White was never you know wasn't exactly open to the women's divisions at the time. There are some phenomenal fights, and I hate that certain fight fans write off kind of the women's side of this because there are some incredibly skilled, just like, it's just the same as men's. Like, they're maybe not, you know, it is. They're just phenomenally skilled. It is, I, I always, there are some fighters in there that are much, much watch. And I'm not saying Alex, Alexia Grazio is there yet. But this girl, put her on your radar. She is from Mexico, and her background is in boxing. One of the best countries in the world when it comes to combat sports in boxing. Has been a strike 
striking artist on the on the feet. You know, that's where she feels comfortable, letting the hands fly. Crisp punches. I mean, you watch them. Some of the best punches I have seen throw from a technical standpoint. It was it was beautiful. It was it was artwork. But what was really impressive was when she got to the ground and how much her grappling and ground game has improved and is now to a spot that you go, shit, she's going to be competitive here in this division. She, she could make a push. She seems to be piecing it together and doing what you like to see mixed martial arts do. Be really, really fundamentally great in an area, right? And then add in all those other tools, all those other styles that you can catch an opponent off guard with, like, oh, shit, she can go to the ground now? New bag of tricks here. Phenomenal fight. Great fight. Loved it all the way. It's going to be a fun, fun couple of weeks here in the UFC. I mean, we got some good, good fights coming up. Uh, Blades Lewis coming up here on February 20th. That's going to be a fun one. But then, I mean, March 6th. Ladies and gentlemen, put your money aside. The price of a mission is worth it. That UFC 259 card, even the prelims, is maybe one of the best cards I've ever seen put together. We're going to break it down the week before. I'm going to bring on Michael again. We're going to break down every fight, talk about it. It's going to be a good one. I cannot wait to bring you that content, but just keep that on your radar. That first week of March, that's a good one. And then the end of March, full card hasn't been put together yet, but we're looking at a very, very good card at the end of March for UFC 260. The two events that have been have been listed so far are phenomenal. So get ready for that. All right, switching gears here. Big news out of the UFC, or, uh, NFL. J.J. Watt released from the Houston Texans. We're going to talk a little bit more about it on Thurs- or on Friday's show. But Houston, I mean, just... I get it would have been hard to get a trade partner because of his contract. But it would just been work. Like, you just had to put in more work. At least you'd get something. But this is Houston. They do... They do the lazy out. They're just a terribly run organization. The thing needs to be burned to the ground. Start over. Let Deshaun go. Free Deshaun, for the love of God. Free Deshaun. Let us NFL fans. I know it sucks. Texans fans, it sucks. I'm sorry. But, like, let him go. Um, JJ, though, gets his release from Houston. They get nothing returned from a guy who can still play. Yes, he's obviously not the JJ Watt from from years ago, um, but can still play at a high level. You know, you're not going to play him inside technique. You're going to want to keep him on the edge, uh, or he's going to want to stay on the edge. But you know, you're going to—he'll probably be asked to play some inside technique wherever he goes. And he's in the great position of he's going to get to choose now. I mean, I think the top three landing spots when we look at it is pretty simple. It's in no particular order. I think the Packers are are a reasonable expectation. He's a Wisconsin guy. Puts him a little bit closer to his wife, who's playing. In Chicago, professional soccer. Um, They're a team ready to win now. You know, he adds a very legitimate piece to that defense, and and that's a game changer for them. So that's a legitimate spot. They're in a great spot. Um, He's in a position where he's made a ton of money, so he doesn't need a ton of money. You know, and I have a feeling he's not going to, he's going to look for for a deal that, you know, he's still getting paid, but 
I think he's going to look to take less money to win a ring. That's that's the point that he is in his career. This is a competitor at the top level, um, and he wants a ring. He wants that Super Bowl, I think. So I, I, I think that's a viable option. The other one is Steelers country. I mean, you got the two brothers there. Go finish out your career with your, your two brothers. You know, you got one on the defensive line and, and the other playing fullback. What's better than that? And that's a team that they're in a weird spot because their quarterback position is is a big question mark. Um, but outside of that, you know, they're game ready. They're not that far off from a, a Super Bowl competitive team. They just got to they got to sum up that quarterback position. Big Ben, I love the band, but from a quarterback, he's he's fun to watch. I shouldn't say I love the man. He's got an extremely questionable past. Don't love that part. Um, but from a, from watching the football, he could sling it. He was entertaining, hard to get down. Um, made some great highlight clips. But career's kind of over. I'm not going to say kind of over. It's over. Um, he just cannot play on a level that if you want to win Super Bowls, especially at that price, and they've already told him he's going to have to come down, he's going to have to take a pay cut to, to come back to the team. But at that price point, makes no sense to bring him back. So, you know, that's a viable spot, though, for J.J. That's a that's a team that can win. Um, the quarterback position is a big question. You know, maybe they don't get it right this year, but they get him right next year in free agency. He's still got a couple years left on him. And then, obviously, my Bucks, I think, are, are going to be in that question mark. Now, the Bucks are a little bit trickier. You know, they got to figure out who they want to sign and how they're going to sign him. But Shaq has come out since, and I want Shaq to stay on the team. But uh, he wants to get paid, as he should. You know, pay that man his money, like I've been saying. He is an incredible elite pass rusher at this point in time in his career. He's at the prime of his career. He deserves to get paid. I just don't know if the Bucks are going to do that because we got a lot of other guys we got to pay, got to pay too to try to keep that team together. So, you know, the dollars and cents might not line up, and if they're not going to line up for him, you know, JJ's a very viable option. I would love to have JJ down there. Let's start collecting defensive linemen like Infinity Stones. Um, but that's going to be a little bit harder, I think, because if JJ's looking to sign quickly, you know, the Bucks aren't, I think, in a position to to go out and, and try to sign him right now because they're probably still trying to figure out who they want to bring back and how they're going to bring him back and. They don't have a ton of cap space, so that's that's a tough one. But I, I think those are if you're if you're any one of those three teams fans, you're definitely in the market. I, you know the Colts are probably out there in the market. Maybe the Bears, um, they're not Super Bowl ready, but you know he gets to go play with Khalil Mack, be in the same city as his wife. You know that's a, that's an attractive offer right there. You know, and they're not. You know, every team is not. No, I shouldn't say there are a lot of teams that are way far off, so I don't want to get that. But the Bears are in that weird middle ground where they they can get the quarterback position. That's really the big one. Get the quarterback position down. Use your draft capital to go draft some linemen. Go to free agency. Get some linemen. You know, you're a competitive-ass football team now. Matt Nagy's still an idiot, so that's a problem. But, you know, you get your – if Allen Robinson, who said he's willing to come back, he's one of, he's the most underrated wide receiver, I think, in the NFL right now. Just the most. I would have said Mike Evans up until this year, but now he's a Super Bowl champion, so you know you can't say he's flying under the radar. Allen Robertson is is by far the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL right now. The man's insane. Doesn't get the credit he deserves because he plays on a terrible offense. Um, but he is. He's the most underrated, underappreciated wide receiver in the league. So, you know, you get a quarterback in there. You invest in the line. You got a good defense. Yeah, JJ, watch that. That D-line is nasty. And you saw what the Bucks did this year. You know, D-lines win you championships, man. D-lines and O-lines. You can't build a house without the foundation. It's true in football. It's true in life. It's corny as hell. It's cliche as hell. But it is the God-honest truth. You can't do it. So, 
That's what we're bringing. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Free agency this year is going to be insane. I cannot wait for this NFL offseason. This NFL offseason, this one feels enormous with the amount of quarterbacks that could potentially be moving here. Big free agents like J.J. Watt hitting the market. Who knows? We'll see who hits the market from the Tampa Bay team. Like, it's going to be it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, what's not fun is, is a little bit more of a, a sadder note, unfortunately, to add this to end this show. Um, but the news was broken today uh, that Vincent Jackson was found dead in a Florida hotel room. Um, it's incredibly sad. Um, he was he was from everything you saw and heard. Never met the man. But from everything I heard and saw as a Tampa Bay fan when he was with Tampa, when he was with the Chargers, he was just an awesome, awesome guy. You know, he was that that stud on and off the field in the locker room. Everybody liked him. He was a mentor to so many people. He was so phenomenal in his communities. Um, He really seemed to be a guy that wanted to use his... Ability on the football field and notoriety there to make a difference off of it and help people. You know, he did phenomenal work with the military community and others less fortunate within the communities he played in. And it's incredibly sad, sad to hear because he's a young guy. Um, My heart breaks for the family. I wish them my thoughts and prayers are with them. I, I wish that, or I hope that, I should say, I shouldn't say wish, I should say hope, that they might find a little comfort in knowing and seeing, you know, the impact he had on so many people's lives. He was just a truly bright star in this world, and it, it unfortunately burned out too quick. Um, so I hope he can rest in peace. I hope his family finds some comfort in the outpouring of support and love for Vincent Jackson, and uh, it's just a sad day, but he was a great, great person from all accounts. So uh, I, w- I hope, w- hope his family can can find some comfort in this time. I know it's it's hard, uh, it's a hard time, but our thoughts and prayers are with them, um, and I hope he rests in peace. That'll that'll do us do it for us today. Uh, we will see you on Friday, and as always, peace. Thank you.